with this one, I'm going to be talking about a few topics um, that I've been wanting to discuss for a while, but I've been putting it off for a week so I can have more to say and more to talk about. And the first topic I'm going to be talking about is the one of the big news stories of the week, and that is that Christopher Nolan has officially cut ties with Warner Brothers to join with Universal Pictures for his upcoming film that's going to be about uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer and the A-bomb. Uh, I have two articles linked in the description. It'll be from Deadline.com and from the Hollywood Reporter. The first one I'm reading from is the Deadline article. Headline, Christopher Nolan chooses Universal Pictures for his film about J. Robert Oppenheimer and the A-bomb. Exclusive, Universal Pictures has landed the right to finance and distribute the next film that Christopher Nolan will direct based on his script about J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atom bomb. A theoretical physicist who became the director of the Los Alamos Laboratory, Oppenheimer headed the research and development of the bomb that ended World War II under what was covertly called the Manhattan Project. Uh, Nolan will produce the film alongside his wife and longtime producing partner Emma Thomas for their syncope. Is it syncope or syncopy? I don't know. Ink banner. <sighs> so yeah, this is a this is a pretty big deal because for. Uh, Almost two decades, uh, Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers has had a very exclusive uh, partnership for, for, yeah, basically a good uh, exclusive relationship. There, I, I would, I think all of his films were through for, through Warner Brothers. Let me look that up to be sure. check out what all his films yeah because I, f- I think all of them were through Warner Brothers you know his his feature films at least so let me look them all right see Memento let's see if that was through Warner Brothers and yeah let's see Memento distributed a right, new market all right so not that's the, the only one all right all right and then Distribution for Insomnia, yeah, Warner Brothers. Yeah, from so from Insomnia up until Tenet was distributed by Warner Brothers. Uh, Prestige was in a partnership with Buena Vista Pictures, and Interstellar was, was a partnership with Paramount Pictures. But yeah, from Insomnia, Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight, Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and Tenet. It was through Warner Brothers. So yeah, a nearly two-decade partnership has ended, uh, and he'll be going to Universal his next film project that's that's a pretty big deal you know uh director of the caliber and stature and level of a christopher nolan jumping ship like that but also there's a lot of uh i guess you could say controversy with him because of his uh reaction to the uh warner brothers hbo max uh, distribution deal for the uh their film slate for 2021 and i believe for 2022 as well although kind of going to be different for 2022 um where he was he just flat out said it was a horrible idea it's going to hurt the theatrical uh experience and that hbo max is the worst streaming service thanks um yeah and uh and he's not the only one that feels that way he's been the most vocal about it one of the most vocal about it but then also does denis Villeneuve, the director of the upcoming dune film He's expressed his uh, feelings on it as well. Again, although not quite as candid as Christopher Nolan does. Um, and I'm looking at the next article from the Hollywood Reporter. The, the headline reads: "The Inside Studios and Apple's Frenzy to Get Christopher Nolan's Next Film." And 
And after a trek to the director's Hollywood Hills compound, Universal, Sony, and Apple learned he wanted total creative control, at least a 100-day theatrical window, around a $100 million budget, equal marketing spend, 20% of first dollar gross, and a blackout period where the studio would not release another movie for three weeks before and after the feature. So basically what that means is that Universal would not release any of their films on their slate three weeks before Christopher Nolan's film or three weeks after to give him that window of exclusivity where his film would be the only one available through Universal. Uh, and apparently that's been his thing for even when he was with Warner Brothers. That was his his thing, that he would want his film basically to be the only film for that duration coming from the studio. Which, I mean, I get it because he, he wants more eyes on his project, but I don't know. That's, yeah, as much as I love Christopher Nolan, that's kind of a diva move, uh, if you ask me. But, but again, you know, someone of his stature, his status, his level, his um, his expertise and talent has the, the clout, for lack of a better term, to be able to demand such things. And yeah, I'm going to have the link to the deadline and Hollywood Abroad articles in the description to this episode and um yeah that's yeah I mean I'm I'm excited to see what this film's gonna be I mean the only film of Nolan that I haven't seen yet is um Dunkirk and Tenet um, but eventually I will they're on HBO Max I'll check them out uh another time but um yeah it's just it's it's, it's interesting it's it, and it is a, a game-changing moment um as far as the, you know, our stuff like artistic integrity and, you know, creatives and things like that, you know, what it means for, you know, for directors going forward, especially for those who work with Warner Brothers and would want to work with Warner Brothers, this is going to be a big game-changing moment for them. And, and just, yeah, how many of them are going to be, you know, as open uh, to working with Warner Brothers after this because, I mean, them losing Christopher Nolan is a big deal. You know, it's it's a big hit to the studio, because um, uh, you know certain studios they ha- they are known for having certain directors as like their their you know their legacy directors kind of thing. Um, you know, so we'll see how this what this means for Nolan's career and for for Universal for Warner Brothers. And um, but speaking of Warner Brothers, we also got uh, uh, the Matrix Resurrections coming out pretty soon. Actually, coming out this December. Uh, to be more precise, I believe it's this coming December. Let me look at it. it says uh, December twenty second, twenty twenty one. It's the expected release date right now. Um, yeah, December twenty. Yeah, it's the, the day before my birthday. <laughs> so that'll be a good little birthday present for me. And this one is getting the theatrical and uh, HBO Max release as well. I'm um, looking at the IMDb page, and as of right now, there's no information as far as plot and synopsis or anything like that which is just interesting but what intrigues me the most about this in particular is because i've seen previous matrix films matrix matrix reloaded matrix revolution and um what i'm really curious about is that how this story you know comes from where we left off at the end of revolutions because based on the trailer it really doesn't give you much of anything to go by, at least not to me. Um, you know, actually, let me go ahead and actually rewatch the trailer. I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna play it on here because I don't want to get hit by any copyright strikes by Warner Brothers. So I'm just gonna play it on my little computer and watch it real quick. Again, it's a quick little, you know, three-minute trailer. Uh, gotta watch an ad first. I hate ads. 
Uh, hurry up. Yeah, it's a Nissan. Hyundai and Tucson. Blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Uh, car ad. Yeah, what, what am I going to do with the car ad? Nothing. And here we go. Yep, there's a cat. Yeah. Thomas Anderson. Interesting that Neil Patrick Harris is going to be in this. I'm, I, I like Neil Patrick Harris, so it's interesting to see what he's going to do. I like the choice of music in the trailer as well. You know, it fits, you know, the White Rabbit. Uh, it'll be nice to see Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss on screen again. I love their chemistry in the first three films. Yeah. I've heard other people feel differently, but that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it looks good. I, I definitely know that. I mean, but those sort of the, the, first, the first three films. So that's not surprising from the Wachowskis. Yeah, it doesn't really explain much of what the the story is supposed to be for this film, which I'm also, I'm okay with because I don't like I don't like knowing too much about films before I see them. Um, yeah, I'm just really curious of where the story is going to go because again, going off of the end of Revolutions, where Neo dies at the end of the movie. Spoiler: If you haven't seen it, it's been almost twenty years. Um, that's what makes me very curious and very intrigued by the story because like where is this sword going to go and how? what's the jumping off point for it yeah yeah and I'll be honest I'm, I'm one of the few people who will defend revolutions because all of you will hate it so much and I don't understand why it's not a bad film it's not a bad film at all in my opinion you know by comparison yeah i would agree that it, it's it's the weaker in, in the trilogy but it's not a bad movie by any stretch um so but yeah then looking at the cast we have yeah keanu reeves as neo uh jessica henwick as bugs carrie ann moss as trinity uh, and we have uh, uh the black manta actor from the aquaman films playing morpheus which will be very interesting and uh daniel bernard at Bernard as uh, Agent Johnson, Jada Pinkett Smith is back, um, and Neil Patrick Harris, as I said before, Christina Ricci, apparently, which I did not see her in the trailer, so that's going to be interesting to see what her role is, Priyanka Chopra, uh, be curious to see what her role is going to be, and a few other actors that I'm not familiar with, which is more than fine by me, um, 
yeah, so, yeah, no, nothing really to go by off of as far as the, the, um, the trailer, and, but you know what, I'm okay with that, like I said, I don't like knowing too much about films, and I am excited to see it, especially again, since it comes out right, right around my birthday, the day before my birthday, so that'll be a, f a fun birthday gift to enjoy, and, um, uh, so yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out, and maybe I'll do a, re a review if I feel so inclined to do so. Uh, when that happens, if and if I do it, don't know. I haven't decided if it'll be a spoiler review or non-spoiler, but we got three months to figure that out. But anyways, um, the next topic that we have is the um, Venom: uh, Let There Be Carnage, the uh, the leaked post-credit scene stuff, and uh, the uh, the official releasing of what the runtime is going to be. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the post-credit scene. I'm not going to discuss what it actually is because I, I did find out what it apparently is supposed to be. I'm not going to say it because in case of anyone who's watching that doesn't want to know because I don't like spoiling anything for anybody without, without at least without a warning. At least not without a warning, rather. But, um... <clears throat> one, whoever leaked it out, they're an asshole because when you go to those screenings, you're supposed to sign, you sign an NDA for a reason. And, um... Yeah, so fuck you for, le for leaking that out because that would have been really cool to be surprised by uh, actually seeing the film. Uh, but then also, there it looks it seems that Sony is actually using it as part of the marketing because I've seen a lot of posts promoting like one of them was saying like I've never heard a theater react like they did to that post credit scene. Which I mean, if that's their marketing strategy, then I hope it works out for them. But you know, now with the runtime. That it's officially announced that the runtime is 90 minutes, hour and a half for this film. Like, what can they really do in a 90 minute runtime for this kind of movie? Um, I mean, apparently Andy Serkis, the director, he said that, you know, he wanted it to be a fast paced, hard hitting, you know, kind of thrill ride, which that's fine. More than okay with that. I respect that. But 90 minutes, really? I mean, I mean, the average comic book film is about, it's about two hours. Uh, I mean, even the 2017 film that I will never rename again, that was directed by Joss Whedon, uh, was two hours. Um, it was two hours too many. But anyways, uh, 90 minutes for this film, the, I don't know what the decision was behind that particular thing, but, you know, 90 minutes, and then, you know, the hype with the post credit scene... Like anyone who is actually gonna go see it in theaters, they're gonna go see it just for the credit scene now, and they they couldn't care less about the previous film or previous minutes in the film because, and really, like, I mean, how many like how many comic book movies have you seen that are ninety minutes that are actually good? Uh, I mean, I can't really name any off the top of my head. The last one that I can remember that I saw that was about an hour and a half was uh, X Men: The Last Stand, and that's not a good movie. I mean, I mean, it's better than Apocalypse, but still not a good movie. Um. Uh, I mean, I still want to go see it because I, you know, I, for the most part, enjoyed the first film, you know, and, and you know, getting to see Woody Allen, or not Woody Allen, whoops, <laughs> not Woody Allen, Woody Harrelson as, uh, as Cleus Cassidy of Carnage, that'll be interesting to see, I mean, I, I do like him, he's a good actor, I've enjoyed a lot of his movies, so it'll be, you know, fun to see him, but, I mean, 90 minutes, I don't know. I mean, some films can work in a 90-minute time frame, but this kind of movie, I don't know. But we'll see. Uh, and then the other little topic that we got on here, that's on my little notes that I got on my phone right here. Um, 
uh, is uh, apparently that Joker 2 is in active development, and I don't have any links to it. All I have is a screenshot from the Ping Pong Flicks Instagram. I'm looking at it right now. It says Joker 2 feature film, joint effort uh, with uh, this information, you know, 400 Water Boulevard Building, 90 Burbank, California. Uh, status, active development, producer, Joseph Gamer, uh, Martin Scorsese, Emma Tillinger-Kosloff, uh, Mark Schoen, and writer-producer Todd Phillips, cast Joaquin Phoenix, Sekelia uh, Productions, uh, Village Roadshow Pictures, DC Entertainment, Warner Brothers Pictures, uh, yeah, and then a phone number and a fax number and an email, and like, I mean, I don't know how legit this is, but if it is indeed true, then, I mean, love the f- I love Joker. I went to, when I went to go see it the opening night Thursday uh, showing where I got that Joker poster that you know anyone who remembers my past videos used to see right behind my head. Uh, eventually, you'll see that again somewhere in the background. You know once I get more set up in here. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean I don't want there to be a sequel. I don't think it's necessary. But at the same time, because of how much I loved the first film, I am curious to see where they would take the story for the, for a sequel, uh, especially if it if with you know Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix coming back uh, to do that. If again, if it is indeed going to be happening, um, and if it does happen, of course I'm gonna go see it. You know, uh, and if it doesn't happen, no loss. But in as my curiosity is just where the story would go. And what kind of story they would want to tell, especially based off of how that first film ended, um, and uh, just, I mean, and if they would want to have a have it connect to any other DC properties going forward, uh, if Todd Phillips has that, you know, in mind, um, and if he does, cool. If not, if he wants to keep it a, as a self-contained thing, like Nolan did with the Dark Knight trilogy, then I'm okay with that as well. Uh, yeah, not really much else to discuss on that, but the last topic that I did want to discuss on for this episode is um, sharing my thoughts on the debate of theatrical releases versus streaming releases when it comes to, to films. Um, now, the big story about that really started last year. Um, I mean, first it was uh, when um, Disney Plus released uh, Mulan as part of their... Um, Premier Access feature where you had to pay like an extra thirty dollars to watch these movies, and they've uh, they've done it a few more times this year. Uh, I think they, they did it for Black Widow, they did it for Cruella, uh, I think for Raya: The Last Dragon. I could be wrong about that one though, but I know for sure it was you know Black Widow and Cruella. And I mean, it seems to work out for them. And then you know, of course, Warner Brothers with with HBO Max. Starting with uh, with Wonder Woman 1984, they would have the theatrical same-day release on HBO Max. And, I mean, I've gotten to enjoy quite a few films with them doing it that way. I mean, I got to watch The Little Things, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I've got to enjoy um, In the Heights, got to enjoy uh, the, the Suicide Squad. You know, it's a good format, in my opinion. It, it I think it works, because, of, you know, especially since we are still, you know, in the COVID era, of, of life right now and you know a lot of people they, they are hesitant and resistant to actually go out in public to enjoy such things so they prefer to do it at home you know enjoy the theatrical experience because especially if you have families you know having to look like you your spouse and like three four however many kids you have 
you know, plus that that adds up because you got the ticket prices and you got the concessions. That can be like that can be more than a hundred dollars to to watch to go watch a movie. Whereas if you have the HBO Max subscription, you know, you can watch. Just pay like you know like fourteen whatever dollars. Get to watch a movie anytime you want for thirty days until you know that theatrical window ends, and then it goes back up there again a few months later. You know. And Mortal Kombat, that was another one I, I, that I got to enjoy as well. So, like, I am in support of that. You know, to me, streaming, a lot of people, they like to look down on the streaming experience. Uh, especially certain DC fans that I've come across on t- social media. I mean, streaming is the wave of the future when it comes to films. I mean, even the, the, the Oscars has recognized that with certain films like, you know, The Irishman. And, um, what was the other one? I can't remember what that other one was. It was one of the one, one of the other Netflix films that got nominated last year and the year before. Um, you know, these films are being recognized as true cinema, true, you know, art, true, true, real movies, getting the award recognition like that. And it's like people just need to accept that this is this is the future of filmmaking. This is the future of film distribution. Um, I mean, honestly, like a lot of I mean, two of my favorite films of this year were, were streaming films. Zack Snyder's Justice League and Army of the Dead. So, you know, and, you know, speaking of, speaking of yeah, I know both of those are Zack Snyder's movies, but still, you know, nothing wrong with streaming. Nothing wrong with the movies being released on streaming. Um, and, like, we got the Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot movie that's supposed to be coming out uh, on streaming as well in, in, the, in a few months, you know. That's got a lot of good hype going behind it too, um, you know. And Zack Snyder again—he he has Rebel Moon coming out within the next few years. There's um, there's Army of Thieves coming out next month. Um, so I mean, like, I get where people—they want the theatrical experience to be, you know, the special thing that it is, and it is a special experience. I I know that. I mean, I haven't been in theaters since when I, since I saw Birds of Prey last year, and I do miss it. But only certain films that I'm willing to go see in theaters right now, you know, not just because of COVID, but just honestly, it's more of an economical reason, you know. Like, what movies am I willing to spend the ticket price on? You know, like, what am I real? Like, you know, like Halloween Kills, I'm willing to spend the ticket price on that. Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm willing to spend the ticket price on that. You know, other films, I'm not so sure that I would spend the ticket price on it. Maybe Dune. I mean, I am. I am very excited to see Dune. Uh, I still need to finish reading the book before I before I see it though, and I got a, quite a long ways to go before I can do that. Um, you know, and uh, the Batman, Matt Reeves, the Batman coming out next year. I mean, I'm recording this on B- Batman Day, and wearing my Batman shirt that I purchased from f- during Fandom last year. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I understand. I can understand some certain point of views and certain perspectives when it comes to that, especially from the filmmakers. You know, where the, they they their their bread and butter is the, the you know the theater, you know the theatrical experience, and they they might not get, um, they might not get the same revenue as they would on streaming through like they do on on theaters, um, like you know the whole controversy with the with the Black Widow you know release where you know Scarlett Johansson was suing Disney. Because she missed lost like fifty million dollars because of the being released on Premier Access on Disney Plus, and um, and that you know, for all intents and purposes, ended her relationship with Disney. So we'll see how that works out. 
Um, oh yeah, Jungle Cruise. That was the other one that was on Premier Access, I believe. And that seemed to be doing pretty good from what I heard. So yeah, a lot of people, because again, one, you know, COVID scares, and two, people just prefer to just enjoy the, the stuff at home. Streaming's here to stay. We're going to get a lot more of that in the next couple of years. Um, like, I think, you know, yeah, certain films are going to be released through on a Peacock and, and HBO Max next year, that they're going to have that open window of X amount of days on theaters before they go on streaming, or vice versa. And I'm okay with that, because, like, again, certain, I'm not every film that I want to see am I willing to spend the ticket price on. Uh, especially if, I, if I, it's a film I want to go see in IMAX, how many of them are am I going to really want to go see like that? But anyways, uh, and uh, but just yeah, that's that's just my opinions on that because I mean, certain films does you know should be seen in theaters and others doesn't really matter in my opinion. Uh, but anyways, mean, yeah, that's really all I got to say on this episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing me talk for the last twenty five minutes about you know Nolan and Venom and. Matrix, Joker, and uh, theatrical versus streaming stuff. Um, and if you if you want to, you know, just join the discussion with me. All my social media is in the description for this episode. I have Twitter, Instagram, Vero, Snapchat, um, my personal Facebook. If anyone that would like to add me on there, I mean, don't get offended if I don't accept your friend requests. You know, I'm trying to be more careful with that kind of thing. You know, it's, I don't like to use the term safe space, but you know, it's, when it comes to social media, Facebook is more, is kind of my safe space. I have reserved that primarily for family and very close friends. And whereas Twitter and Instagram and Vero, I'm more open, you know, with who I follow and who f- I allow to follow me. Um, but also, I have my wrestling page on Facebook. Anyone that would like to check that out, I haven't really kept up to date with it like I used to. But now that I have my little computer right here, I'm going to do a better job keeping up with it. Yeah, a lot of updating that I need to do on there. Um, but also, if you'd like to support the Menetized Podcast, you can do so by purchasing, purchasing a shirt in my store. Uh, I've got quite a few designs, if, especially if you're a Zack Snyder fan. I have a lot of Zack Snyder-inspired t-shirts on there, like the one that I just most recently released. You know, it's based off of a little little thing I created back in March, um, like inspired by the, you know, the Xbox, you know, Achievement Unlocked. There was Achievement Unlocked, Snyder Cut released. I have that little shirt available on there. And, oh yeah, and other Zack Snyder shirts, like, you know, Snyder 214, Wake the Fuck Up, um, and the I'm a Paul, I'm, a, I'm inspired by Paul Heyman guy t-shirt, that's I'm a Zack Snyder guy, and also the I'm a Zack Snyder girl t-shirts, uh, Snyder World Order as well. I have different versions of that with available in different colors, uh, different color logos and different color shirts themselves, uh, as well as other t-shirt designs like my regular Manatized podcast shirts and other things in there like Nerdlicious and other little fun designs, my the, my Mortal Kombat shirt that I designed, my, the ABACABB, and one and what is apparently my biggest selling t-shirt, the Straight Edge t-shirt that I have on there, so any designs that are on there on that store, check them out. You know, get a nice little purchase. Um, and if you have any ideas of t-shirt designs, you can hit me up on my social media and share some ideas. And or if you want to design something for me, I'll, you know, more more than okay with that. And um, and if you're not subscribed to the podcast, you can do so. All the direct links are in the description. YouTube, Castbox, Radio Public, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Apple Podcast. Um. Uh, yeah. So just yeah, you can check out all. 
past episodes of the podcast and my other content like retro film reviews, classic wrestling pay-per-views, which I am going to bring back eventually, uh, my worst to best rankings, which I'll, I will also bring back eventually, video game reviews, book reviews, which I really got to get back on that because I've only done three so far, and I want to keep up with that. And um, yeah, um, thank you all so much for watching, for listening, for subscribing. Love and appreciate every single one of you who do. Uh, I hope you're all doing well, staying safe, taking care of yourselves and your loved ones, and staying healthy. And um, yeah, this has been the Man of Science Podcast. I am Julian, and I will see all of you on the next one.